Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So, um, as I as I said, the the talk tonight is uh, going to be on uh, the Dharma and nature. And for those who listen, uh, who aren't here, um, people listen from uh, on podcast or uh, on Dharma Seed. You know, the talks each week are are put up on our website and also on uh, the dharmaseed.org website. And for those listening in, um, the reason that I'm motivated to give this talk is we're having a, a big day uh, at Spirit Rock in September, on September 15th. And I'll mention the information once again because it's going to be live streamed and people can see it from anywhere in the world and it will be recorded and um, um, be available for three months um, uh, called Loving the Earth, uh, Healing the Planet Through Mindful Engagement. And it will have uh, Jack Cornfield, Julia Butterfly Hill, uh, Joanna Macy, Anam Tupton Rinpoche, uh, Christiana Figueres, the architect of the Paris Climate Agreement, and uh, a few other really amazing people. So it's been very much on my mind, um, this Global Climate Action Summit that's happening in San Francisco, um, that is um, the impetus for doing this day. It's happening uh, September 12th through 14th. And it made me think of, okay, what is the connection between uh, the Dharma and, uh, and nature? Uh, so I wanted to explore that a little bit tonight. The word Dharma, I take refuge in the Dharma. We chant that at the end of the uh, the sits here uh, each Thursday. I take refuge in the Dharma. The word Dharma, D-H-A-R-M-A, is often translated as the nature of things, the natural law. It also refers to the body of teachings that the Buddha taught. Um, But most fundamentally, it's seeing the principles of life that are expressed in nature, that we are a part of nature. It's not like we love nature out there, although I hopefully we do love nature out there. But we are nature itself. How could it be otherwise? And the, the laws that govern nature also govern us. This miraculous thing that life has come together in this expression called you that follows all the laws 
that are also um, governing all of life, particularly the laws, the, the reality that everything changes. You are a constantly changing flux of experience. Holding on to that change is suffering if you don't understand it. And you yourself are this constant flow of experience without any fixed static point essence to whom life is happening. Life is happening through you, as you. And the more you see that that's not only true of everything out there, but it is essentially who we are, the freer we are and the more connected with everything else we are. The barriers get lifted between us and everything else. We often say, uh, particularly in Mahayana uh, teachings, that uh, part of the, the, um, the goal or the uh, the deepest understandings as we do practice is to connect with our true nature. That's a word that's often used. The term true nature, our true nature, which points to something beyond the small mind, the confusion, the grasping, the wanting, the aversion, the delusion, uh, to a, a place of one could call it divinity, the spark of divinity within us that is good, that is love, that is awareness, that is pure and free. Our true nature, and I love that quote from Nyosho uh, Kempo who says, uh, uh, your, your true nature is uh, is pure and flawless. Those who can see it, those who can't see it are deluded, and those who can are free, are enlightened. And there's no way to enlightenment other than identifying this Buddha nature, this true nature within one's own stream of being. So to identify the natural law of life right within ourselves and the barriers are lifted when that happens. We're part of everything and everything is part of us. Now on a very practical uh, or more mundane level, the Buddha's teachings have Many, many references to nature. The Buddha was born under a tree. His mother was on her way to her uh, to her uh, family's home, which was the tradition that you have your uh, you go to your uh, family's home to give birth, and she was on her way and gave birth in this uh, forest and under a sal tree or sala tree. Uh, so he is born under a tree. Unfortunately, his, his mother uh, um, died uh, 
was uh, after he was shortly after he was born. Um, but he was born under a tree. He was obviously enlightened under a tree, the Bodhi tree in Bodh Gaya. The, the first one where he was born is a tree in uh, Lumbini, uh, his birthplace. He uh, was enlightened under the Bodhi tree, which is a really powerful spot. Uh, I recommend highly if you ever get to India. He, his first discourse was given under uh, a tree uh, where he found his five ascetic cohorts that uh, had left him, uh, and he gave the discourse in the forest um, under a tree. Uh, and he died under a tree as well, under, again, a sal tree. So trees played an ongoing thread in his life. And he would say to monks it's and, and uh, monastics, it's, Many times the phrase, uh, there are trees and the roots of trees. Go find one and meditate and come to your, uh, come to your freedom. There are trees and roots of trees. Okay. He said, that's the best place. That's the best place of all to see your true nature to be right there connected with nature. <clears throat> and I'm sure many of you are quite familiar with the, the Thai forest tradition, which is one of the uh, lineages of Spirit Rock, along with the Burmese tradition that um, Mahasi Sayadaw is the, is the uh, ancestor uh, Dharma ancestor of ours, and Ajahn Chah, and the Thai forest tradition um, where uh, monks and nuns live in the forest uh, and they get their teachings from, from nature. And here's something uh, from Ajahn Pasano. Uh, and this is, by the way, um, an interview I'll be sharing some some pieces from an interview with Ajahn Pasano and Julia Butterfly Hill that was just posted on Tricycle Online this, this last week. It's called The Bhikkhu and the Butterfly. Um, and uh, because they became good friends um, through their connection with, uh, with nature. And uh, he says, if I can find it, Yeah, well, I live in the forest, he's asked uh, by inquiring mind. Um, as a Buddhist monk, you're what's commonly referred to as a Thai forest tradition, you must feel a deep connection to the forest. And Ajahn Pasano, who is the abbot of the um, Abhayagiri Monastery uh, up in Ukiah, says, well, I live in the forest, and it helps form the ethos of my tradition of Buddhism. The Buddha was born in the forest, enlightened in the forest, gave his first teaching in the forest, died in the forest. Thai forest monks repeat that truth almost as a mantra, and we are constantly referring to how much the forest plays a part in our lives. My teacher, Ajahn Chah, would place a big emphasis on, on how nature teaches us all the time if we only are aware enough. 
The basic truths of existence are there for us to see in nature. And I wanted to share a few other pieces of information. Let's see. What's this? I'll do this. Oh, from Mahakasapa. Oh, yeah, let's see. No, I'll just skip that. Um, in the uh, Anguttara Nikaya, it's interesting that the Buddha, uh, in his time, he didn't speak about pollution. There wasn't the concept of pollution. So he would say, oh, what happens if you throw some, some dirt into a, into a pond? It doesn't affect it at all. Those were the days. And what happens if you, uh, if you um, uh, create some dirt in the air? The air is so big, it doesn't, it's, not, it's not at all affected. And he, he gives these, these different um, uh, analogies. And these days, you know, he couldn't have possibly conceived of polluting our environment so there's not so much reference to polluting, but there are references to uh, to treating with real care. That um, the it's said that a monk uh, should not should avoid injuring a plant at all. Um, that that's a, that's an offense to injure a plant. Uh, that's different than pruning, of course, but to but to injure a plant with not with without caring, and it's also said that you're, uh, if, a, if not just monks, but for lay people, if a tree has um, has sheltered you, that you should not uh, do anything harmful to any of its limbs and its branches. Isn't that interesting. Mm-mm. One should not even break the branch of a tree that has given one shelter. Mm. And it's also uh, supposedly very good karma to um, help create parks for, um, for other members of the community. Mm. One, of the, one of the really good... One of the very good uh, ways to create merit. Mm. Now, this is in the backdrop of some sobering realities. So that's the inspiring first perspective, which I'll come back to in uh, a little while. But here we are faced with a crisis in civilization, and I just wanted to share with you some sobering facts. These might not be new to you at all, but it's just something that I read uh, a couple of weeks ago on the internet. As much as we love nature, what we're doing to it. Mm. 
all these fires, you've noticed a few fires, I'm sure, huh? And these hurricanes, and these earthquakes, and these, um, the earth is um, getting very irritable with us. And we've not been treating it so well. 2018 is the fourth hottest year on record. The previous three years are the first three hottest. 2015, 16, 17. 2016 is the hottest year on record. 17 of the 18 warmest years since we've been recording this thing 17 of the 18 warmest years have been recorded since 2001. Sea levels now are three inches higher than they were 25 years ago. Grains um, harvests are much lower in Europe and uh, way down all around um, all around the world, Sweden um, is experiencing one billion dollars in agricultural losses. Um, the U.S. is five, has five times the number of heat-related deaths as they have. I'm not quite sure when it was first. Uh, recorded, but in the last uh, 30 years, I think it is. And the Philippines and other third world countries or uh, less less developed countries, Philippines has, not that the Philippines is a third world country, but um, but they, they don't have the mm, good fortune that we have, 12 times as many heat-related deaths as formerly... I forget it's how many uh, years in the last 20 or 30 years. Heat waves on four continents uh, this year with thousands and thousands of people in hospitals. Mm-hmm. And as scientists say in this article, this isn't just the new normal because it's not plateauing, that it is continuing in that direction unless something happens to change. They also say that significant reductions in greenhouse gases and changes in our lifestyle um, can slow down enough to avoid the worst if we wake up in time. And it's whether or not it's past the tipping point is debatable who you speak to. The way I see it, we will wake up sooner or later. And the sooner we wake up, the less dukkha and suffering. And so what we can all do is 
the best we can to um, bring more consciousness to this situation so that um, the conventional wisdom reaches those in power. That's where there's a point where uh, there's no there's no more time to deny. This is what we're up against. As I often say, we're in a race between fear and ignorance and consciousness. So the more we can get in touch with our connection with nature, uh, the more we are moved to make a difference, not out of fear, not out of um, aversion, but out of love. And this is uh, where I wanted to share with you some of the, the teachings that come from this this beautiful article uh, between uh, Ajahn Pasano and Julia. And Julia, I've mentioned her before, Julia Butterfly Hill has been here. Uh, one of my main inspirations, and she was, for those who aren't familiar, was up in the, the tree, uh, Luna, in Northern California uh, for two years, from uh, December 97 to um, uh, just, I think, five days short of two years. Uh, oh, no, no, uh, a couple of weeks past two years, uh, December in 98, uh, 99. And um, she was transformed going up into that tree. She was 21 when she went up, thinking that she'd just be going up as a, a tree hugger, protester to the uh, the logging that was happening, she thought she'd go up for three weeks and ended up staying up there for two years. During the most intense winter up to that point on record, it was the El Nino of 90, uh, 98. Um, and she was transformed through being up in the tree. So um, the inquiring mind, this, uh, this exchange, this uh, interview with both of them happened. It was first printed in the inquiring mind in 2005. Uh, it's called The Bhikkhu and the Butterfly. Um, and it was just posted on Tricycle Online because now uh, Tricycle is posting monthly um, uh, articles from Inquiring Mind, which is no longer um, publishing. and went through 30 years of publishing brilliant articles, uh, Dharma articles, and they're posting one a month. And this is their first, their initial posting. So it was just a couple of weeks ago that it came out. And they wanted to see, okay, why, were, why was this monk hanging out with this activist who's not really Buddhist, uh, although she is, whether she realized it or not. Um, and he said, Ajahn Pasano said, well, when he first uh, heard about about this, this young woman sitting uh, up in a tree for a couple of years, he was really uh, intrigued and inspired because trees are so central, uh, and the, the forest so central to the Thai forest tradition. So he went up and, um, and uh, met her, 
uh, hung out, well, hung out with her. She was 180 feet up, but uh, they had some kind of connection. And then when they, when she finally came down, uh, they um, they formed a really uh, lovely relationship. And uh, he learned from her, and she learned from him. And I wanted to share with you a little bit about about Julia and her wisdom and also Ajahn Pasano. She said, she was asked, did you have uh, oh wait, any connection to Buddhism before you began sitting? And she said, no, I, not much. I was raised with a traveling preacher for a father and we lived in a 31-foot camping trailer that we pulled behind our car going from church to church throughout the bend west and south. In my early teens, I became disgusted with what I saw as profound hypocrisies in, in Christianity and with a tradition that really didn't allow me to be honored as a woman other than the role I might play for a man, etc. But uh, let's see. Oh, I printed out uh, the wrong way, so let me see this. Um, one of my practices is to get up the, in the morning and sit. In my meditation space, I have different sacred objects that people have given me, including a little amber bracelet from Ajahn Pasano. While I'm sitting, I pick an intention for the day based on where I am feeling some weakness or need. Son, on days where my heart is hurting, I'll choose to be focused on love. On days when I'm feeling shy and withdrawn, I'll meditate on connecting with people. I set the intention and then try to live that day with the, that intention as my meditation practice. Um, I see. Oh, yeah. When I climbed up in that tree, I was new to activism, but I soon realized that we had become so good at defining that what we were against, that what we were against was beginning to define us. I saw the problem in meetings where activists were clear-cutting each other with their words and their anger. And as people were talking, I could literally hear the chainsaws in their words cutting each other apart. I saw that the peace rallies had become anti-war rallies, places where I couldn't even walk up close to the rally because of the way people were speaking through the megaphone. It sounded like they were dropping bombs. This all became clear to me about halfway through my time in the tree when I was experiencing a lot of pain and really felt like I was falling apart. This is where she has a dark night of the soul up in the tree. That's when I went deeper and realized I had climbed up in the tree not because I was angry at corporations and governments, although I was angry at them, but because I loved the forest, I loved the planet, and I loved this sacred life that we're all a part of. So I began to approach all the issues from that place of love. And this is something that I I find so important. We can get so angry and outraged at the craziness and the denial and the dragging our feet 
and get frustrated to the point where our anger is what's motivating us. But that's not so sustainable. After a while, it eats at us, and we just are adding more to the mix of othering and who's right and who's wrong. I love, I'm sure most of you have seen the Inconven- An Inconvenient Truth, Al Gore's movie. And I love what they do in that movie where first they give you the news and then the second half of the picture is reminding you how much you love life. Not how much you hate what those people are doing, but how much you love life. And when you're motivated by love, you're inspired, you're connected, your true nature comes out because that is your true nature when the mind isn't contracted and lost in, in anger or fear. That's the nature of things, harmony. And when you're connected in that way to your true nature coming from love, then that is much more contagious, an energy that inspires others. And that's why I'm, I'm so inspired by her. This is what she says about coming from love, if I can find it. How did the tree teach you to see the world through love? Can you describe any special events or moments? And this is how nature can teach us about love. I compare it to when I was little and learned how to take a magnifying glass and turn it in the sun to just the right angle so that it concentrated the rays and started a fire. I feel like my time leading up to the tree was the forming of the magnifying glass, but the tree really focused it until it ignited my passion. Then when I was completely broken, and she was quite broken, the fire turned into love. I was literally in the fetal position, sobbing, rocking back and forth, saying, I can't take this anymore. You know, sometimes you have to go through the dark night of the soul, as it said in the Christian um, uh, teachings, to finally surrender and give up. And that's when there's a transformation that happens. I was literally in the fetal position, sobbing, rocking back and forth, saying, I can't take this anymore. I was sitting up in that tree and being a witness to an old growth forest being destroyed. I was witnessing the brutality of what disconnected consciousness does to us. All around me, I heard the saws whining and I saw the trees falling. I could see for miles, so everywhere I looked, there were clear cuts forming. Can you imagine that? The pain 
And there she is. And she had formed this relationship with this tree who was her teacher that she uh, named, uh, called Luna. And I breathed through a wet rag when they lit the clear cuts on fire with diesel fuel or with napalm from helicopters. I had to bear witness to it every day. And there was no running away. I f- it felt like the pain and grief were killing me. One day, I was praying and begging for help. And the answer that came was, Julia, you must simply love. I thought, that's a funny answer. And I kept praying, but the same answer came again. Julia, you must simply love. Prayer is very powerful for me, and now I know that the trick is being willing to hear the answers. It's just as in meditation practice when you find yourself saying, this is not really what I wanted to happen right now, but it's still happening So what am I going to do with it? Mm -hmm. I learn very well through images, and so I'm grateful when the universe gives an image to me when I need it. Of course, what came to my mind was a tree. Big surprise. As I was focusing on this tree, in my mind, hearing, Julia, you must simply love, the branches of the tree began to move. They were moving out and back and back in, out and back in. It looked almost like arms that were gathering in the air. As I watched, I started seeing all of this very dense-looking smoke and grit being absorbed into the tree. As the branches moved back out, I saw little prisms of light coming out of the tree. At that moment, I had an epiphany, realizing that trees actually grow by transforming our toxins into healthy air. That is what love is all about. Previously, in my life and in my mind, love was either associated with lust or somehow conditional Suddenly, I saw it as a transformational tool. Every time I can take something that's hurting, something that's toxic, something that's out of balance, and actively participate in its transformation, that act will help me to grow. And then I will be able to take on the next challenge, which may be even bigger. One day when I was sharing all of that, someone told me about the practice of Tonglen. Once again, I realized that the trees had taught me a spiritual practice. And for those who don't know it, Tonglen is this Tibetan practice where you take in the suffering of the world. You take it in, you actually visualize it as a kind of black smoke that you take in, it's a kind of 
scary thing to do, to take in the suffering and have it touch that pure heart within you, that Buddha nature within you, and have it transform and send it out as compassion. Not, oh, I'm going to transform all of this suffering and aren't I wonderful and but rather it's not you you get out of the way and see how love transforms the suffering into compassion and you send it out so the tree this is where understanding the laws of nature the tree trees are doing tonglen all the time they're taking in toxins they're taking in carbon dioxide and other toxins they're breathing it in and they send out oxygen life-giving oxygen so i i'd never thought about that before but trees are actually doing tonglen practice and tonglen practice is really our expression of the natural way of things isn't that miraculous how we can through love transform suffering into compassion and whether or not you do tonglen practice i hope that you've seen for yourself how the dharma works how dharma practice works how our own suffering is part of our bodhisattva training how when we go through our own sorrows and pain and grief and somehow learn how to hold without being overwhelmed that we become stronger through it and we come become more understanding and more able to be there for other people's sorrow and suffering not by tearing our hair out and saying oh what can we do this is so terrible but just by being a strong centered tree like presence that says i'm here with you it's really hard i can see and i want you to know i'm here with you and your own caring and presence because you have seen for yourself that capacity becomes an agent of um support and balance and compassion for for others mm-hmm. so a little bit more that i i want to share it's so it's so beautiful <clears throat> Now this is Ajahn Ajahn uh, Pasano. He says, "It occurs to me as I'm listening that the Thai word for nature, Dhammachat, could roughly be translated as the birthplace of truth. Embedded in the language is the idea that nature is where we can see the Dhamma." both in terms of how the teachings display themselves in the world as well as in the natural truths the buddha pointed to in buddhism we look at the cycles of nature that are outside of ourselves but also inside 
That's what meditation practice is all about, looking at how we experience our own nature, the ways we live and breathe, experience emotions, create suffering or live in harmony. We can really only understand this within ourselves. He goes on, by the way, to say about how um, ordaining trees is one of the things that he loves to do. Uh, and this is something Ajahn Buddha Dasa uh, in the 20th century did a lot when they were doing a lot of clear cutting in Thailand, uh, particularly going after teak wood. Uh, and it's just a real uh, sadness how much, I think there's like 15% of the trees that, uh, that were there uh, a century ago. But what Buddha Dasa did and what Ajahn Pasano does is um, as a monk, they would ordain the trees and put robes uh, around them. And once a tree is ordained, you can't cut it down. You know, it's now, it's now a, a holy being. So um, Pasano talks about, about this. He says... Uh, uh, yes, uh, can you tell us about your practice of ordaining the trees to protect them? Yes, I've done that on many occasions. It's quite a skillful means for drawing people together and then being able to talk to them. I actually started a couple of organizations that work with villages in northeast Thailand to protect areas of forest. Um, sometimes the dynamics that go into cutting a forest are very complex Often it's outside interests that are paying to cut down the trees, so it's important to get the local people involved to truly make it their forest. We found one good way of protecting the trees was to ordain them. We put robes around the trees, hold traditional ceremonies, and then we chant for the protection of the forest. We'd always pick the largest tree in a particular grove for ordination because the people believe that guardian devas live in those trees. We want to get people to reflect on that. Mm-hmm. And maybe you know that uh, the metta meditation was given in response to the tree spirits. The, that um, I've shared this before. When these monks would go out into the forest, they were told by the Buddha, go and meditate in that forest. And the tree spirits, tree devas, um, didn't want to be bothered. They thought, who are these guys disturbing our quiet forest? And so they, they um, gave, um, uh, gave off uh, images of demons and, uh, and beasts and tigers and things like that to scare away the, the, uh, the monks. And they went running back to the Buddha saying, it's too scary to go and sit in that forest. And the Buddha said, I'll give you the most powerful antidote to danger. And he taught them the metta meditation, as this is how the story goes. And he taught the metta. They went back into the forest and just sent out radiating uh, thoughts of loving kindness. And the tree spirits liked the energy so much that they said, hey, we like these guys, and they protected them, and they made it a very welcoming place. Uh, so trees are, if you 
relate to that story, responsible for, for a metta practice happening. So you can see all the different connections. We are nature. Nature is us. And the principles in the Dharma are seen outside and inside. So I share this, hopefully, to um, connect you with how much you love this amazing gift of nature that we've been given and how much you care and what you can do to uh, come from a place of love and make a difference and uh, let your Dharma practice be expressed not just internally but externally and include the planet Earth in your practice as we all do what we can to um, wake us up sooner rather than later. So we have a few minutes. Uh, Any comments? Uh, Any any questions? Anything that you want to share? If you can stay to the end, that would be appreciated. Um, when you're talking about trees and you see these fires going on, it's just the saddest thing that mm-hmm. you can experience. And I spent a good part of the summer in the Northwest and traveling up and down from there and and just witnessing the smoke and the mm-hmm. fires going on and the you know, firemen all over the place, and, the, and it's just, it, 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 it was that was just one part of it. The other part of it is we went to the upper part of Washington um, near Nia Bay, and through that area, there's just tremendous clear-cut areas there, and we're just driving by them and just seeing one after another, you know, and it's just like yeah. devastating to just, just witness that. You know, uh, just every time we go by, we're just, oh. Yeah. Kind of so you thing. you let your heart break open and let it lead to um, doing something uh, to bring more consciousness in. But mm-hmm. part of it is letting your heart break. Yeah. Not, not to the point where you're immobilized, but to the point where uh, the love can come out and be expressed in whatever you can do to make a difference. On the positive side of that, Mm -hmm. we went to, on the Olympic Peninsula, um, there's a rainforest there, and uh, it is just phenomenal to see a a really healthy forest Mm -hmm. surviving like it does, and with all that interconnection, and they have a very good uh, ranger uh, talk there talking about just this, about the interconnection of, mm. uh, that we have with with nature. And mm. you can just see it so clearly there, you know, with all the examples of it right before our eyes. Yeah. Um, so that was mm. a good part of it. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, let's see. The, the earth is going to survive us. Whether we survive us is is a question, but the earth will survive us long after we're, we're gone.
So uh, be nice to stick around and uh, and enjoy it. But uh, the earth rejuvenates. Um, let's do what we can to stick around and be here for it. <clears throat> Any other thoughts, comments? Yeah, here, and then we'll get you back there. Uh, just uh, additional information that's not widely publicized yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Hawken put mm. together a group called Drawdown. Drawdown. And yep. there's a book and a website, and it's got 80 or 100 current technology and current solutions yeah. to draw down the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And he was at Spirit Rock. I was yeah. there Saturday uh, with the Dan Siegel thing. No, he so, was just there. At, at, oh, he was just yeah, he at, was in, attending in the there. audience. And I'm wondering if you've talked to him about the day that you Yeah, actually, him. Drawdown is, uh, we're going to have, on the September 15th day, we're going to have a number of tables of different groups, and 350.org will be there, and Drawdown is one of the tables that will, will be there. And the it's interesting, if you look at the book or on the website, he's got the all of the... Partial solutions are current technology, mm-hmm. current knowledge. There's nothing new needed. Yeah. And two of them are uh, not obvious in the top ten. Two of the uh, most important things are education of girls and family planning. And what? Family planning. And family planning. And that's, it's you know... Got to hand it to science sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Science has some important things to say. Okay, thank you. One last comment, and if you can make it brief, in the back here, raise your hand. Yeah, and then we'll, then we'll go. Thank you. Thank you for your talk. Um, I was going to mention about the resilience of the earth. If you haven't looked lately, um, Google search pictures of Chernobyl today. And you mm-hmm. can see how the earth hasn't completely recovered, but you can see what happens when humans uh, just keep their hands off. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing, today I took a moment to observe nature unexpectedly. Um, I saw a little man-made disaster of sewage running down the sidewalk, and um, there was a crack in the asphalt, and there were all these ants coming out of it. And I looked, and they were all carrying, like, little eggs over their bodies. And uh, I just took a moment to, like, take it in and be like, look at how busy they are. Like, I'm pretty sure I don't have to carry a baby over my head today and get it to safety in a flood. (laughs) And um, it was just a really profound experience just to spend a few seconds observing nature and how it works. Mm. And I don't know if ants are emotional, but they were expressing love and care. Mm. Mm. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you very much. Mm. Okay, so let's let's close with a loving kindness. Thanks, Andrew. And you can think of Anyone in your life that you want to extend compassion and good wishes to? 
like that tonglen of the tree with yourself, just uh, as you connect with any suffering in your life, those that you care about or others, just let it touch that goodness of heart and let it be transformed into compassion. And send some kind thoughts to yourself. May I stay connected to all the love and goodness and wisdom inside and share it well. As I want happiness and ease, may all beings everywhere know happiness and ease and inner peace. And then extending that to our planet, our home. May our amazing, generous planet feel the love and support of all people who care. And may there be a awakening consciousness that supports the healing of our planet through love, wisdom, caring. May our coming here together, whatever good that comes from it, be shared with all beings everywhere and our planet Earth. Hmm. Thank you very much for your attention. Come on uh, September 15th and be with us. Uh, and uh, hope you enjoy next week, Adam, talking about embracing the void. Have a good week. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.